Gods, Goddesses, and Carrier Beings. There are many sides to the inner life and the outer life. And what makes life and self-discovery exciting is love. Love is the strongest force in the universe. It's not the only force in the universe, but it's the force of attraction, the force of balance. Love is the power that keeps the universe functioning. As individuals, we experience a limited type of love. We experience love between each other, sometimes love for country, love for beauty, love for food, love for God. But as only a small particle of the universe, we experience only a small particle of love and truth. So what we know is love is only a shadow, a glance of what total love really is. Throughout the ages, prophets and enlightened persons have talked about love. They've said that the way is love. And these words have apparently fallen on deaf ears, because while the world does seem motivated occasionally by love, most of the time it's by desire. I suppose we could call desire a type of love, but there's so little light in it, there's so little self-giving in it. Beyond the spectrum of love that we experience is a radiance of love, a complete, harmonious, endless, and perfect love. And this love is engendered, is awakened, not simply by our own actions. This love is engendered very often by the gods, goddesses, and carrier beings. The universe has many stages. This is one small stage we're upon now. There are countless worlds, not just worlds in the sense of material planets like our own, but they're planes of existence, dimensions. Each dimension contains billions of galaxies, they're endless because existence is eternal and infinite and the infinite has no end. There are different planes of being. We could say that God has different dreams and in each dream there's something else. So in other planes of being, there are other evolved forms of life. Many of these forms of life are not physical. 
they're etheric. And there are different types of beings who have etheric bodies. Most commonly we talk about the gods and goddesses, very advanced beings with superhuman powers who live far beyond our earth and who human beings occasionally have interaction with. Today I'd like to talk with you a little bit about some of the different types of beings that you as a meditator, as a spiritual seeker, will encounter on your journey to enlightenment. There are essentially two classes of beings and many subdivisions. Those who are more evolved than yourself and those who are less evolved than yourself. And from my point of view, whether they have physical bodies or subtle physical bodies, or they're just idea forms, they don't even have a subtle physical body. What some call the causal forms. It's really all the same. What matters is not the type of clothing that one wears, but the kind of person that one is. So if a being manifests as a etheric god or goddess, as a human being, as some other form of life, as a tree, a branch, something that we don't see in our world, in our planet, or as a lower form, there's God within all, all our God. Yet there's diversity, and this is where discrimination comes in. Beneath our world, not in a physical sense, there are many lower worlds, countless lower worlds, where beings on various planes of evolution exist. Now, when I say below, I mean that these worlds are darker, not as happy. They receive less light. There are worlds above that are more luminous, where no one has a physical body, where all are luminous, subtle physicals. There are worlds that some refer to as the causal worlds, where everything is an idea form, an ideation, no body at all, just intelligence. All of these forms and beings are transitory. They are all whirled around by maya and by the wind of the samsara, by the winds of existence. They all come and go just as the flowers come and go in the springtime. They return into that eternal mist of creation and then they come forth again. None can die, but all pass through the cycle of death and rebirth. The time span varies, just as there are certain insects that live only for a day. Their entire life cycle is a day. So our lives are a day unto some of the beings who live for eons. And so we appear to them. There are noble beings, higher beings 
who assist and help spiritual seekers more than they realize. These beings are not usually disincarnate human beings. These days it's very popular for people to use what they call guides. They reach out into the astral regions. For these guides who are usually who they feel are disincarnate human beings, uh, human beings who perhaps made a lot of spiritual progress and are not reincarnating, are not incarnate right now. And they reach out and try and be directed by these beings. Uh, in my estimation, this is a relatively dangerous practice. Or sometimes, of course, they reach out for beings who are not human in form, meaning they haven't had a cycle of human incarnations. And it's just like dialing phone numbers at random. You never know who you get. Very often, the lower beings will impersonate higher beings. A person will be trying to channel uh, to have one of these beings come inside them. Uh, mediums do this sometimes. And you may assume it's a higher being, and it may show the signs of that, but perhaps it's not. These beings can be very clever. Just as someone can feign to get in your apartment and pretend to be a nice person. Uh, if you can stop them at the door, it's a lot easier. Once they get inside your apartment, it's very difficult to get them out sometimes. If they're very strong, perhaps almost impossible. So it's very important to discriminate. While it's true that God exists in everything, we don't walk around uh, drinking strychnine or eating arsenic, although there's as much God in strychnine and arsenic as there is in yogurt or milk. So all things are not good for human beings, all parts of the creation, in the sense that there are different vibratory levels. And human beings have a specific vibratory level. And this creation, the world as we know it, all the universes, that which we call existence, the part we see with our eyes or with telescopes or microscopes, has a certain vibratory energy. And there's variance within it. Saturn vibrates at a different rate than Mercury. One person vibrates at a different rate than another person. <clears throat> One universe vibrates at a different rate than another universe. But all these vibrations are within a certain scale. But there are other universes that do not vibrate in the same way ours does. And to open yourself to some of these universes, to cross planes, can be very destructive to your physical and mental being. Because they vibrate at such a different rate that it's quite destructive to human life. And many people, when they invoke the lower beings through voodoo or these various practices or mediums or automatic writing and things like that, they make a terrible mistake. They bring these beings from the astral world. They open a door that's supposed to stay closed. It's not meant to be open. There's a, a ward in the hospital. Uh, there's disease there. It's contagious, so they, they seal it. And only people who are properly equipped can go in and out. Now, if someone opens the door to that ward and starts to bring the people out, the disease out, it spreads, and it can be lethal. So there are worlds which are not meant to be tampered with by human beings until they're very, very advanced and very strong.
And I raise this point only because so many people practice this channeling stuff. Uh, it's quite dangerous. Simply because you're naive and innocent does not mean you will be protected. I'm naive and innocent in many ways. And people say bad things about me and try and do bad things to me sometimes. Christ was naive and innocent. The people in Auschwitz were naive and innocent. You're eternal. No one can destroy you. But they can sure crimp your style in any particular life. So please don't feel that simply because your heart is pure and you're channeling and opening yourself up to different non-physical beings that only the right ones will come calling. It's not true. Most of what we call mental illness is actually possession. Someone has opened a doorway to another plane of existence. And it's a plane of existence that's not bad. It just doesn't fit with our life. Strychnine isn't bad. It is what it is, but you shouldn't eat it. So there are worlds, darker worlds, unevolved worlds. I suppose you'd call them hell worlds. Some art reflects some of these worlds. Have you seen some of the uh, paintings by Hieronymus Bosch and others? The painters, without realizing it, are seeing these worlds, some of them. They're worlds of constant warfare, constant hatred, constant violence and strife, constant unhappiness. We see a degree of that in our world here. You see, the earth is an interesting place. Earth meaning not simply this planet, but this system, this cycle, all the galaxies and so on. Because you get a little bit of everything here. So the Schmorgesburg of existence, all the planes touch in the physical. So you see some of the highest and some of the lowest and everything in between. That's why our world is such a world of contradictions. There's some worlds where there's just light. There's some worlds where there's just darkness. We're in the middle. So consequently, it's a mixture. You get a little bit of everything. So there are lower beings, and you should not deal with them. If they ever come to you, lower entities, then the best thing to do is to meditate, to pay no attention to them whatsoever, to meditate upon the clear light of reality, to just feel God in eternity. They can't stand light, they'll leave. Naturally, if you have an association with an enlightened teacher, you should think of the teacher and meditate on them or contact them. Usually you don't even have to outwardly contact them if you just think of the teacher. You'll see an energy will come immediately and chase these nasty little things away. Or nasty big things, as the case may be. Or if you have a close association with a higher non-physical being, a cosmic god or goddess, they can come and help you and chase these things away. Some people have had the experience of uh, being physically restricted by these beings. 
lower ones. Uh, you wake up from sleeping, you can't get up. You can't, your body won't move. Uh, you feel as if you're being held down. But they go away after a while. You see, these beings rely on fear, as do most tyrants, and misinformation. They try and make you afraid, and when you're afraid, you become powerless, but they can't really hurt you. The only cases in which complete possession occurs are either when a person wants that, they constantly seek these beings to come inside them. Well, it happens sometimes then. They make deals with them. Sometimes these beings will come and they'll promise you all kinds of things. And they can deliver. Mephistopheles. But there's a price that you have to pay. And as they say out on the street, if you want to play, you got to pay. And it's true. So when these beings come and they promise to get you a person you desire, money, fame, and they can do it sometimes, then you have to be willing later to pick up the check. And the check is that once they give you what you want, they'll take you over, drive you out of your mind. Sometimes they can kill. Some of them are very strong and very virulent. But they won't hurt you. They can't if you meditate and if you're not interested in them. If you meditate every day, there's a force, a shield of protective light around your being. You don't have to think it there. It's already there. If you aspire. And if you're not subconsciously attracted to these beings and forces, it's not a problem. Now, we might wonder why that some people are bothered by them and others are not. Well, when you're bothered with them, it's usually because you had an association with them in past lives. For example, a number of my students in their past lives have practiced uh, witchcraft and things like that. Different forms of occultism, which all of us practice in one lifetime or another, I suppose. So when they reincarnate, a part of them is drawn back to that study. They want to use the allies and different forces to do their bidding. And naturally, I teach people not to do that, but to seek light and enlightenment instead and not worry about all that silly stuff. But because there's a subconscious draw, they come back. The person may not think that they're interested in such a thing, but another part of them may be. Remember, we're very complex. We have many, many selves. So I think the best way to deal with any of the lower world forces is not to deal with them at all. To keep your mind centered on light, not to worry about them, they can't hurt you, unless you want them to. But just to pay no attention, because there are too many higher beings to play with and have fun with who aren't harmful, who are helpful. If you know people who channel, who deal with entities and spirits and guides and all that stuff, I'd, I'd stay pretty far away from them if I was a real seeker. Not that they're doing anything wrong, they're doing what they want to do. But it is catching, it's kind of like a disease. These forces are very powerful. And after a while a person won't realize it, but they will no longer be thinking their own thoughts. How can you tell that your thoughts are your own? Where they come from? It's very difficult. And so many people who deal with these lower beings think that after they stop channeling or whatever, the beings have left. 
But once they open that doorway, it's very hard to seal it to that other world. Once that doorway to that open other plane opens, it opens all the time. So very often these beings will then begin to put thoughts in the minds of people, and people will believe them. And after a while, the voices of the beings will become louder and louder inside a person's head. This happens uh, when somebody goes to do something really dumb, like they try and kill somebody because, you know, uh, they say, well, the voice told me, the voice told me to kill so-and-so. Now, the psychiatrist will say, well, this is mental illness, schizophrenia, the person had a latent this or that. That's not it, though. These are beings that that person started to transact with on some level. And then the person lost their ability to discriminate and started to listen to the beings. The only other instance in which possession can really take place is when a person is just very psychically weak. Now, when I say psychically weak, I don't mean when you had a bad day. I mean a person who has no power whatsoever. Uh, If you're listening to this tape, you wouldn't be in this class because you wouldn't be interested in these subjects. So we're talking about someone who's quite far down in terms of consciousness, not just a little depressed or a little out, but someone who has no personal power at all. Well, such a person wouldn't even be interested in meditation or anything like that. But you'll observe this occasionally. They're just very weak. They're manipulated by everyone and everything. And they're very easy for a more powerful organism to uh, affix itself to and enter into and take over. Most of the destruction that takes place in this world, uh, when you have a Hitler or someone like that, Mussolini and these different sorts, occurs through possession. These beings come in, they take over, they plant thoughts. They have no love. They seek to destroy. They get a weird delight from it. And the way many of these people became successful was by making deals with these beings. The deals aren't necessarily conscious. It's not as if you sit down and write up a contract. Allegorically, that may be how we see it. It takes place sometimes inside, sometimes in dreaming. But a lot of successful people have been helped by both lower and higher beings. So the best way to deal with lower beings is not to deal with them at all. Don't be afraid of them. If you meditate and you seek, they can't hurt you. They can scare you, and then you learn to laugh at them. If you see one sometime if you're meditating, or just, you know, whenever. Some horrible form, just laugh at it. Say, oh, come on, can't you do a better one than that? I'm not impressed at all. And then they go away. See, if they see they can't bother you or hurt you or affect you, they just go away. They get very frustrated. It's not going to work with you, so they'll go pick on somebody else. But they do exist. And we shouldn't pretend that they don't, because... Sometimes if we underestimate our opponents, uh, we make a grave error. And also if we overestimate our opponents, we make a grave error. So realize that they are powerful, they can be very harmful, but if you don't invoke them, you shouldn't be bothered by them. And if they do come around, if you meditate, if you think of light, if you invoke a spiritual uh, teacher, a powerful person, a powerful being, they'll be chased away. But if you still have a subconscious draw to them, they'll keep coming back. So you have to be willing to go through your own being and find out if there are parts of yourself that are still interested in that sort of stuff. See that 
dealing in those levels and those worlds is antithetical to your own health. It isn't what you really want. There's no fun or light in there. The little powers that you'll get are nothing compared to the power of enlightenment, plus there's no happiness in it. When you realize that, you'll lose interest, and then you'll evolve to a higher state. The higher beings, of course, are just the opposite. These are the gods, goddesses, carrier beings, and allies. There are different classes of beings, if I can use that term. We talk about angels, gods and goddesses. They do exist. There are countless luminous beings. Very often you'll see them or one of their worlds when you meditate. Sometimes when you meditate you'll see what appears to be almost like a fairy world of castles and buildings. They're all made out of light. They're very luminous. They're not really substantial. It's almost like a luminous fog. You're looking into a higher loka, a higher sphere. The beings there come in two forms. They either have what we call astral or subtle bodies, same word, same term, or causal bodies. Now the astral beings, the higher ones, or those who have subtle bodies, same thing. These beings are easier to see. Uh, if you meditate and if you're very pure, they'll come to you. They can't stand impurity. They won't come. Very often when I meditate, you'll see lots of them all around me. Because they love the light. They, they, their food is actually light. They don't eat like we do. They don't have to worry about losing weight. <laughs> Only losing light. And they're very beautiful. There are two types. The first type is just the very innocent form. It's kind of the ET consciousness, I suppose. These beautiful little beings. And they can manifest in any form that you like. Sometimes as fairies or winged horses or oh, all kinds of things. Most of the things that people have seen in this world, like winged horses and things, are non-physical. And some people have seen them. And they're beautiful, happy beings. But they won't go into a place where there isn't a lot of beautiful light. They're uncomfortable there. They vibrate a very, at a very, very high rate. And these are the carrier beings. That's what I call them. They carry messages and light back and forth between the planes. And they're lovely. They're like young, pure children. Actually kind of silly, some of them. And they exist in what we call the psychic regions or psychic realms. Then, of course, there are the gods and goddesses. I'm not sure it's an apt name, but let's say much more powerful astral beings uh, with, you know, subtle bodies. In this class, we would put, of course, some of the well-known uh, Kali, 
Vishnu, Shiva, and others. Many of these gods and goddesses have different names, different cultures. In one culture, we might call her Lakshmi in India. Uh, In another culture, we might have another name. The names vary, but the beings are the same. These beings can help you in your evolution. And sometimes you'll be drawn to a particular being, or maybe several. You may have had something to do with them in your past lives. So in... A Greek life, you may have prayed to Diana. In this life, perhaps it's Lakshmi. Same being. And when you pray and meditate on these beings, very often they will help you. They won't necessarily help you in the sense of solving your life's physical problems. They won't necessarily interfere with fate. They won't make you a lot of money or cause you to have physical health or prevent an accident. They're not necessarily supposed to interrupt those things. Those are your karmas, your actions. You need those experiences for your growth and development. What they can do, however, is manipulate consciousness. Occasionally they do make changes in destiny, I suppose but it's not that frequent. But most of the time, the changes that they cause are in the advancement of your awareness. I don't think you should program yourself in trying to meditate or pray to the cosmic deities or beings, the higher beings. If you find that you're drawn to one without knowing why, and you meditate on them a little bit each day, or maybe repeat a mantra that's associated with them, if that happens by itself, that's fine. It's not something you need to do. You can just meditate on light. You can just work with your teacher. Meditate on God. You see, there are different access points in this study. Some people like a human teacher, and that's all they need to work with. Some people don't want a human teacher. They just want to work directly with the source, and that works well for them. Some people like to work with gods or goddesses or carrier beings. Some people don't want to work with anything in particular, but they like a mix. They have a spiritual teacher. They pray to a certain goddess. Uh, Of course, they orient to God directly, to nirvana, the unmanifest. They love the carrier beings, the little astral beings that come and visit, come to them in dreams. You don't have to choose one, and you shouldn't try and figure out, well, what's the best? What will be the best ones for me to meditate on so I'll make the fastest progress? That's not how it's done. It's all done through love. It's not a formula. Because one being won't be more helpful than another. One orientation isn't more helpful than another. What's most helpful is for you to have the right orientation. When you have the right orientation, it all works very, very nicely.
then there are the allies. Now, if we can leave the old luminous worlds for a moment here. We've been, as I've been sitting here making this tape, it's fun. Uh, as I talk about the different classes of beings that have been appearing in the room, it's marvelous. So I'm sitting here by myself, I guess I'm not by myself. So when I've been talking about the astral beings, the room has been filled with them. And of course, when I started talking about the gods and goddesses in the other lokas, immediately there was an access way there. When I was talking about the lower worlds, a few of them were sliding around. It's fun. You'll like being enlightened. It's, it's certainly never dull. Then as we enter into another plane, there are the allies, the occult beings. Now these beings are very difficult for humans to understand. Because they're really a part of us. We have different sides and different natures. Each one of us has a psychic nature, a superconscious nature. an occult nature, a physical nature, they're different sides to us. And we have occult beings. In other words, a part of your being is in the occult dimension, a part of it's in the psychic dimension, a part of it's in the physical dimension, a part of it's in the superconscious dimension. Part of you exists in all the worlds. It's as if you have limbs that extend into these other worlds that you're not conscious of. The allies are powerful beings or aspects of ourselves that exist in the occult worlds. And spiritual teachers use them to help their students. The allies are absences. They're like antimatter. They're the exact opposite of anything. There's a polar opposite to everything. So just as we're in one universe, there's a polar opposite to this universe. And the allies are part of the polar opposite universe. Very often I use the allies in my work. Um, they're very powerful. And I can use them to help people all of the time. But I can't really say that they're separate from myself. You could say that it's my opposite side or that I'm their opposite side. It's hard to find words for this, but they exist and they're quite helpful. And all spiritual teachers have them. Everyone has an opposite side. But in order to harness that opposite side, you have to go through a very rigorous training program, spiritually. Because the opposite side will destroy you unless you're very pure and quite powerful and quite lucky. So part of the spiritual training process that really isn't offered so much on earth anymore, was more in the ancient Egyptian mystery schools and in Atlantis, had to do with harnessing the opposite side of one's being. 
but it's hardly taught anymore at all because it's not really necessary. It's something from another cycle, another time. But some of us went through those schools and we developed those parts of our being, you might say. Now then they're the guardians. Enlightened people don't work by themselves. There's no such thing as by yourself. Otherwise, it would be a very lonely universe out there. Enlightened people are part of a team, and they work in concourse with a group of non-physical beings. And these are, at least in the case of most spiritual teachers, what we call the guardians. There are places in this world, on this earth, that are access ways to other dimensional planes. Now, you can move from one reality into another everywhere, but there are certain places where it's easier. If you want to go hang gliding, there are certain places where there's lots of wind and it's easy to hang glide. Other places, no wind, no hang gliding. So, these are what we call places of power. People go there to meditate, and when you meditate in a place of power, it's easier to have an advanced meditation. An enlightened person is a place of power. They're a mobile place of power. They come to you. Place of power is an absence. It's where it's easy to go through. Now, I suppose this might sound mad to someone who hasn't dealt with all of this, but then again, it seems to me that the human world is rather mad with its cruelties and injustice and all that sort of thing. But anyway, there are places, and quite a few of them in the southwestern United States, where there are doorways to other worlds. But God in her infinite wisdom has not left the doorways open. There are particular beings who guard these doorways, and I call them the guardians. It's interesting, if you read in Navajo and American Indian mythology, you'll find references to these places and to the guardians. And the guardians assume different forms, but if you ever see them, at least in the Southwest, most of them look like Indians. They're subtle physicals, like strong, beautiful, uh, virile warriors. And these are great beings who are very beneficent. When you go to a power place, if you yourself are either quite innocent and pure or noble, that is to say you're trying very hard with your inner life, you're really doing your best, they can help you. The way they'll help you is well, they can come to you in dreams. They can just open a doorway for you. They'll let you see in a little bit deeper. But they're quite detached. Now, these beings are very strict in their discipline. You see, there are different classes of spiritual teachers. Some spiritual teachers are kind and beneficent, and they pat you on the head. Some yell at you and give you a hard time so that you'll become perfect. But some are very aloof. They feel, and I can't say that they're wrong, that in order to become enlightened, you have to work your way up. And they're not really interested in you till you get close to the top. They feel that's your problem. Sometimes uh, one of our parents, perhaps our mother, perhaps our father, is very kind to us, very easygoing, loving. We can't do anything wrong. 
Whenever we make a mistake, they help us and try and correct it. Perhaps the other parent is very stern. Well, these are different faces of existence. One is better than another. They take different places sometimes. Sometimes we need the sternness. Uh, it helps us develop. It makes us reach in a way we wouldn't otherwise. Now, this isn't a cold indifference, but it's a knowledge that it's tough out there on the street and that the strong do survive and that we need to become strong. So the great warriors at the gateways, the guardians, are like that. They have a very good sense of humor, I must say. But they're very detached. They won't acknowledge you until you've come a long way up. And even then, it'll be in a challenging way. They'll help you, as they've helped me. But you have to prove yourself worthy. Otherwise, they don't really want to spend the time. Not because they feel there's anything wrong with you, but simply because it's not their way, it's not their job. The guardians help enlighten people. Let's say that you were a self-realized person in your last life, or very spiritually advanced. Extremely, though which everyone likes to think, and you can tell if you really were, perhaps, if you don't think that way, you shouldn't think that way. If you think that you were perhaps a very advanced being in your last life, chances are you weren't. But if you feel that probably everybody else was, uh, then you might be. The humility is always the sign. But best not to think about it one way or the other, in my opinion. In any case... In my own experience, I was helped by these beings and still am. I work with them, even with my own students. We work together for their liberation. And I've been self-realized in many lifetimes. And in each lifetime, when you come in, it's kind of like parachuting in, and you don't know exactly where you're going to land or what's going to happen. So when you come into this world, you lose your realization for a while. Uh, the maya pushes it away. A part of the way you get it back is that the guardians help you. See, the guardians do not physically incarnate. They're enlightened beings who don't take incarnation anymore. Uh, I'm an enlightened being who takes incarnation. The guardians and I are the same. I am one of the guardians. And vice versa. But some of us take form to work in the world. Some don't. We all like to work in the world and aid people in their self-realization. That's fun for us, as someone once did for us. It's just passing on something nice that was passed on to us. It's the way life should be. So, in my own case, I had no idea what enlightenment was or self-discovery. I grew up in a world of high schools and junior high schools and the 60s and the drug culture and who knows what all. But I was brought, I was pulled to certain places. I was pulled to places in Colorado and places in California. So a few places in the East, too. Without knowing why, I was drawn to these places. When I would go to these places, I, I was very high. I was drawn to read spiritual books, to meditate. And at the time, I didn't realize what had happened was the guardians had pulled me to their places of power 
And when I was there, they were working on me. They were helping brush aside all this junk, this maya, so I could see again. And each time I would go back to one of these places, a part of me would return from a past life. And gradually my realization came back over a number of years of, of course, meditating and seeking and giving and so on, living in spiritual communities and things. But the guardians brought me back. That's the agreement we have. When one of us comes in to take a body, the others will bring us back. Now, of course, I take my own students very often to these places, the power where the guardians are. Because when we go there, to these vortexes of energy, not only can I help them and the place itself help, but the guardians sometimes help. Sometimes they just look on with bemused laughter because uh, they get a kick out of beginners. But once in a while they'll come by, as some of you have seen, some of my students have seen, and do some interesting things, interesting manifestations and things. But they're great warriors with fabulous senses of humor. I suppose the only beings that I haven't talked about, aside from human beings, and I think we know enough about them today, are the causal beings. Now, there are different systems. I'm not big on systems myself, but people like them, and I suppose it's convenient to talk in them. According to one system, uh, the different classes of being, they're physical beings. Above the physical beings, they're subtle physical, be- subtle physical beings, astral. Above them are the causal beings, and then above the causal beings, there's just the unmanifested reality, uh, nirvana. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I really don't see an appreciable difference between the causal and the subtle beings. Uh, I class them all as non-physical beings. But some people do make the distinction. The causal beings are ideation. It's very hard to talk about them. They're beings of pure energy, and they take no form whatsoever. So there's really not much to talk about. Physical beings have a slower vibratory rate. That's why we have matter. Now, a physical being also has an astral being. It also has a causal being. We all have these different bodies. We all have physical bodies, astral bodies, uh, and causal bodies. We also have the occult body. We have different parts of ourselves. And the causal is the ideation. It's pure intelligence. doesn't need a body of any form. And the causal does exist. And then above the causal, of course, the causal is is uh, like salvakalpa samadhi. When you move into salvakalpa samadhi, that plane of consciousness, that is the causal. And above that is nirvakalpa samadhi or nirvana. Some people hold the idea that you have to go through a lot of incarnations in the earthly cycle, then through the astral incarnations, then through the causal incarnations and then you don't incarnate anymore. It's not exactly that simple. There are causal incarnations, there are astral incarnations, there are physical. But you can hop back and forth. You can have a lot of astral incarnations or causal incarnations then come into the physical and so on. It's not that simple. But sometimes people do do it that way. There's this gradual evolution.
However, some people begin their celestial journey in the causal and choose to incarnate in the so-called lower planes, not that it's class distinction or anything, from time to time. That's what I did. I began in the causal. And then I've taken incarnation in the astral realms and in the physical realms and so on. Remember, we're all eternal and not one of us is superior to another, to another. The lowest astral being is in no way inferior to the, to the highest causal being. It's all the same. It's all God's dream. We call it Lila, the play of the dance of life. But it's interesting to know what's around you. There's a lot more around you than you might realize. And as you meditate and progress, you'll see these beings and they'll help you. You can always determine what kind of being you're dealing with by how you feel. If suddenly you're in your room and you feel something, a presence there, if it makes you uncomfortable or frightened in any way or you just don't feel right, you're dealing with a lower being, one that's beneath your level of evolution. If the room is bright and shiny or somewhat happy, you might become afraid a little bit just because it's unusual, but if something is good there, then you're dealing with one of the higher beings. If it's just plain powerful, it's neither good nor bad. But it just is. You're just thrown into that vortex of energy. Then you're dealing with one of the occult beings. The occult beings don't give a fig about humans. They're not interested at all. The only reason they come in is when a spiritual teacher uses them. It's the opposite universe. It doesn't usually come into this world. If you feel uncomfortable with a being of any type that you encounter in your travels, uh, pay no attention, let it go by. And if you move into light, your vibratory rate changes and shifts if you meditate or invoke a higher light. They go away. They have to. But it's a wonderful, wonderful universe. We're all in the play of existence. And you should extend yourself and begin to learn. There's so much to see and so much beauty to comprehend in such a short human life. And the beings will help you, usually without your knowledge. Sometimes they'll come in dreams and appear and give you information and tell you things. But be very careful. Always remember, you have to discriminate. Never trust the package. You have to see what's inside. And know that if there's truth in something that someone says, that truth will resonate with a deeper truth within your own being. Don't believe things just because they're attractive. If there's great light in it and it will do a great good and there's no harm to it, then it's healthy. Otherwise, pay no attention.